You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. I'd be listening to the mainstream media and just be left frustrated on how they covered these stories. They would completely ignore facts just to promote their own agenda. I said, man, I could do a better job than these fools. I should start my own show. So I did. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Freedom Strips. I'm doing this uh, live on Facebook and I've already failed once. So I don't know what's going on. Um, But hopefully I can get better at this. This is the, the first time I'm ever doing this on Facebook. So bear with me, guys. Bear with me. But I, I do have a um, an announcement to make, and it's a pretty great announcement. Um, we have passed 1,000 listens. 1,000. And when I was like, uh, I was like going through my phone and I was scrolling through the stats, I was like, I should probably check the, the listen stats. I was like, holy cow, we passed 1,000 listens already. And this was like the first thing that came to my mind. You ready? Here we go. First thing that comes into my mind, thousand listens. And I was like, this this can't be real. So I'm like refreshing the page and it's like 1,004 listens. Tuesday, 1,005. So I just wanted to say uh, thank you to you guys. You guys are uh, amazing, fantastic. And um, this is just a neat little hobby for me. I didn't, I didn't really want it to, um, I don't really want it to turn into anything. Uh, just because that's more work on my end, and I'm barely trying to keep this at at once a week for you guys. Um, but you keep listening, and and hey, I appreciate it. If I'm saying stuff that you know that you guys want to listen to, then by all means, I'll keep doing it. Um, and if not, then hey, I'll move on to something else. But this is just a fun little hobby here that I've started. Um, so thank you very much for for the listens, guys. This has been a uh, a really fun ride so far. But enough about me. Let's get into the news. Um, and really, the first thing I wanted to um, talk about was this kind of Trump uh, Iran situation uh, that popped up really yesterday. I, I didn't really have much to talk about um, uh, until all of this that happened yesterday. Um, so this is the New York Times right here. Just to fill you in, if you haven't uh, heard already, um of course, we covered on the last episode, it was the um, the Iran uh, situation in the Gulf of Oman, where uh, the powers that be are already blaming Iran for uh, attacking the oil tankers in the, in the Gulf of Oman. And now, recently, there was a, uh, a U.S. drone that was shot down um, in international airspace by Iran. So this is from the New York Times right here. It says uh, Trump ordered a strike on Iran, but then backed off um, a little bit earlier because it was not proportionate. So let's go ahead and dive on into this. It says President Trump said Friday morning that the United States military had been cocked and loaded for a strike against Iran on Thursday night. 
but he called it off with 10 minutes to spare when a general told him that 150 people would probably die in the attack. Um, and I mean, the first thing that goes through my mind is like, how, how does a strike like this already get like planes are in the air? They're loaded down with their, their bombs and their missiles. They're ready to go kill 150 people. And the president's just like, so tell me again, how many people are going to die in this? They're like 150. And he's like, nah, call it off. Like, how does that even happen? Like, I don't know. It, does, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And like, th- this is a whole nother reason for like, this is the president of the United States ordering a strike that he doesn't even know what the consequence of is until asking him after the planes are in the air and the bombs are loaded. Hey, what is this going to do again? Uh, 150 people are going to die because why they shot out a very expensive drone over the airspace. Uh, let's not. So Donald Trump went to Twitter to kind of explain, um, I don't know, his his reasoning behind this with a series of tweets. Of course, Donald Trump on Twitter. So President Trump went to Twitter and said this in a series of tweets. President Obama made a desperate and terrible deal, deal with Iran, gave them $150 billion plus $1.8 billion in cash. Iran was in big trouble and he bailed them out. He gave them a free path to nuclear weapons, and soon. Instead of saying thank you, Iran yelled death to America. I terminated the deal, which was not even ratified by Congress. Oh, now, are we caring about what Congress does now? Are we, do we, so now, right now, we're caring about what, what Congress says. Right now. So does that mean this future war with Iran is going to have to go through Congress before it starts or no? Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. All right. Well then why even say this? Which was not even ratified by Congress and imposed strong sanctions. And that he did. Um, they are a much weakened nation today than at the beginning, beginning of my presidency when they were causing major problems throughout the Middle East. Yeah, they were causing major problems throughout the Middle East. You know who else was? Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and now they are bust. On Monday, they shot down an unmanned drone flying in international waters. We were cocked and loaded to retaliate last night on three different sites when I asked, how many people will die? <laughs> That's such a Trump thing to say, or to like this. This whole series is so Trump. He's like, what they do? Shoot out our our plane, our unmanned plane, a big hunk of metal. All right, let's hit him hard, boys. And then he's like, how many people are gonna die again? I don't know. Why I'm go- I'm going into Homer Simpson. How many people are gonna die? Uh, 150 people, sir, was the answer from the general. 10 minutes before the strike, I stopped it. Not proportionate to shooting down an unmanned drone. Agreed. Uh, I am in no hurry. Our military is rebuilt, new, and ready to go, and by far the best in the world. Agreed. Sanctions are biting, and more added last night. Iran can never have nuclear weapons, not against the USA, and not against the world. So that was uh, President Trump's series of tweets there. Going back to the New York Times article. 
Um, it was unclear why Mr. Trump would have been getting information about possible casualties so late in the process of launching military action. Such information is typically discussed early in de- the deliberations between the president and the national security officials. Later Friday, Mr. Trump offered more of a detailed version of events, telling NBC's Chuck Todd, the host of Meet the Press, that he had not given given a final go-ahead when military officials checked with him a half hour before the strikes were scheduled to launch. Quote, so they came and they said, sir, we're ready to go. We'd like a decision. I said, I want to know something before you go. How many people will be killed? In this case, Iranians. Mr. Trump told Mr. Todd, the president said that the officials, the president said that the officials said that they needed to get back to him. (laughs) What? They needed to get back to him, but eventually said approximately 150 Iranians might die. Uh, We'll have to get back with you on that, Mr. President. Oh, my God. Uh, Mr. Trump challenged reports that planes were already in the air when he called off the strike, adding, I didn't think... I didn't think I didn't think it was proportionate. Uh, In his series of tweets, Mr. Trump called Iran a much weakened nation because he decided to withdraw from the nuclear agreement negotiated by his predecessor and because of the sanctions that his administration had imposed. He also suggested that the new sanctions had been imposed on had been imposed on Iran on Thursday night, but he did not elaborate. Sanctions are biting and more added last night, he tweeted. Iran can never have nuclear weapons, not against the USA not against the world. The dispute over the location of the drone when Iran shot it down uh, Thursday morning continued for a second day. Iran's government released photographs Friday morning of what it said were fragments of the high-altitude surveillance drone, saying that the pieces were retrieved from Iranian territorial waters. Iran had insisted it shot down the drone after it violated the country's airspace. To bolster its claims, uh, Iran late Thursday released a video of what it said was the most in, was the moment the air defense system shot down the drone. A top Iranian commander also claimed on Twitter Friday that a second American aircraft, a P-13 surveillance plane with 35 passengers or crew members, also violated Iranian airspace. But the Iranian military chose not to shoot it down. That's probably a good move. We did not do this because our goal was to warn Americans. Uh, wrote a commander with Iran's Revolutionary Guard. The Defense Department has not publicly confirmed the presence of a second surveillance aircraft. American officials countered Iran's claims with images of the drone's flight path showing that it never entered Iranian airspace. Through the images offered little context for an image that appeared to be the drone exploding in midair. Still, there remained doubt inside the United States government of whether the drone or another American surveillance aircraft, this one flown by a military crew, um, did violate Iranian airspace at some point. According to a senior administration official, the official said the doubt was one of the reasons Mr. Trump called off the strike, which could, under international norms, be viewed as an act of war. Uh, so this this whole thing is, um, I'm not going to read this entire thing because this is a uh, a bit long winded, but man, oh man, um, this is a mess. So, um, right here, this is a business insider article. Um, as funky as it was, I'm glad Trump backed down 
on the strikes on Iran. Uh, literally no one wants a war with Iran right now. Um, except this guy uh, in the back, if you can see him. Uh, if you're listening to the audio podcast, this is a little bit rough here. But if you're watching the video, uh, John Bolton in this photograph is sitting like behind Trump's shoulders. And a buddy of mine told me the other day, John Bolton just looks like he got the cheapest disguise costume in the store that you could buy. It's just like the flimsy little glasses and the giant mustache that you just kind of peel off the adhesive and stick it on, throw it on your face. And he's just kind of glaring down at Trump right here. But the, uh, I, I mean, I say no one wants war with Iran except this guy. That guy wants war with Iran. And he always has. And we've covered it on the episodes in the past. This guy definitely wants to run. Um, this Business Insider article does a pretty good job at um, kind of outlining how hard Pompeo and um, Bolton are pushing Trump to go to war with Iran. And Trump is doing a fairly decent job at r- resisting their call so far. Um, so this article says Trump's closest advisors are pushing him to go to war with Iran, but the president so far is resisting. So let's take a look at this. A battle is being waged in the white house between administration officials, members of Congress and media allies over whether president Donald Trump should order military action in Iran as tensions between Washington and Tehran intensify. Let me take a little sip here. Some good old whiskey. All right. On Thursday night, Trump reported reportedly ordered military airstrikes against Iranian radar and missile batteries in retaliation for the downing of a U.S. drone by Iran, then abruptly walked back the decision. The events show that U.S. policy towards Iran remains on a knife's edge, as hawks favoring conflict with Iran and droves opposed to the military action vie for influence. So you've got the military industrial complex, the CIA, uh, Bolton, Pompeo, kind of like your shadow government figures kind of wanting to go to war. I played that video of General Wesley Clark um, last episode kind of explaining that this has all been in the plan that this these regime change wars in Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Iraq, Afghanistan, Iran. This has all been in place since 2003. And Iran is the, literally the next one. And John Bolton and Pompeo, they, they've they all been involved in this in, since the beginning. So they definitely want their war. And they are scarily close to it. So it says the Hawk faction is reportedly led by National Security Advisor John Bolton, who has, been, who has long urged military action and regime change inside Iran. The New York Times reported Thursday that he is uh, backed by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and CIA Director Gina Haspel. So all these guys are in cahoots and they want war bad. Fox News star Sean Hannity, a friend and supporter of the president, on his Thursday show uh, was hawkish about the prospect of conflict with Iran, saying that Trump would, quote, bomb the hell out of the country if the leaders did not rapidly seek negotiations. Excuse me. Some of the Trump's closest uh, congressional allies um, Senator Liz- Lindsey Graham of South Carolina and Tom Cotton of Arkansas also pushed Trump to respond with force. So he's got guys on all sides of him pushing him for war. Um, he's got very few pushing against. 
The only thing Iran and every other thuggish regime understands is strength and pain. Uh, Lindsey Graham tweeted on Thursday. Trump has so far resisted their calls to take action, only just stepping back from the brink of military conflicts Thursday night. A good move. The president campaigned in 2016 to end U.S. military entanglements overseas and referred to the pledge in remarks to reports Thursday. Quote, look, I said I want to get out of these endless wars. I campaigned on. I campaigned on that. I want to get out, he said. See, this is encouraging to me because at times it doesn't look like and I have a feeling that he's just he's trying to trust his advisors on this foreign policy stuff. But this is exactly right. He campaigned on this. And this has been my biggest grievance with Trump. Um, I mean, he's, he's got other ones, but this is really one of my biggest ones. He campaigned on getting out of these endless wars and, and stopping these conflicts in the Middle East to bring the troops home. To, I mean, we're spending endless amounts of money and, and, and so many millions of innocent lives are being affected by these wars. Um, and so, I mean, I hear him say this, this is encouraging. And I just, I, I question it though, because he campaigns on this. And then what does he do after he campaigns? He brings in Bolton and Pompeo, the guys who lied us into the Iraq war. He brings the very, pe- the very people who stand completely opposite of the views he campaigned on into his administration. I mean, he ran on draining the swamp and he literally brought in the biggest swamp monsters you can into his own administration. It's, it's a, it's either a very ignorant move by Trump or I just don't, I don't know. He's either lying or he's just extremely ignorant on that. The president seemed reluctant to pin the blame on regime leaders in Tehran, remarking, I imagine someone made a mistake. He added that someone loose and stupid was likely to be responsible. Um, maybe. Uh, among, our, among those urging restraint are the Pentagon's military chiefs. Now, this is interesting. I don't know if now there's been conf- I know there's been conflicting uh, reports on this. Um, that, you know, did the Pentagon okay the strikes as well? And that's why Trump kind of originally went with it. Or are the Pentagon's military chiefs actually trying to restrain him from making these attacks? Uh, I don't really know at this point, but that's what the New York Times said, um, that the Pentagon's military chiefs are urging restraint. Um, who believe an airstrike could cause a dangerous ex- es- escalation. Goodness gracious, I can't talk that uh, could cause a dangerous escalation of violence in the region, placing U.S. forces at risk. Another close media ally, Fox News anchor Tucker Carlson, which I'm going to play later because this guy is absolutely fantastic on um, the foreign wars. And he's, he's, um, he's pretty squirrely on his economic ideas. Um, but man, as far as like his foreign policy, foreign wars, this guy... Tucker Carlson is on point. Um, He reportedly spoke to the president and urged him not to become entangled in another costly Middle Eastern conflict. Now, this is I mean, it's it's nice that Tucker Carlson, (laughs) he has the right idea for foreign policy. So I'm glad he can kind of talk to the president and the president, you know, he has the ear of the president. But it's also extremely scary to me that a news anchor on the media 
has the ear of the president. Like if this was, if, if Sean Hannity, the guy who is hawkish on these battles had the ear of the president, which the president loves Sean Hannity, then I mean, we would be much closer to a war with Iran, but luckily he's kind of got, he's got Rand Paul, right? That's speaking to him and is trying to ground him and be like, look, you campaigned on ending these wars. This is a bad idea. You, you need to get out in these wars, keep your campaign promises, bring the troops home. This is going to be bad news if you get into war with Iran. Um, and then you have, um, uh, Tucker Carlson talking to him as well. So, I mean, there, there are some figures that are keeping him grounded, thankfully, because God knows in his administration, he's got John Bolton looking over his shoulder. Where is it? R- right here. John Bolton looking over his shoulder like that <laughs> with his giant caterpillar mustache, bleached caterpillar right up there, um, wanting to go to war. So, uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, I hope he stays grounded. Um, the president seemed reluctant to pin the blame on the regime leaders in Tehran, remarking, I imagine someone made a stick. I already read this. Yada, yada, yada. Um, he is backed by libertarian Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, a long-term critic of U.S. foreign policy and overseas military engagements. In his remark Thursday, Trump hinted at the red line in his dealings with Iran, um, hinted at the red line in his dealings with Iran would be the loss of U.S. life. Of course, um, literally, that's the line in the sand right there. We didn't have a man or a woman in the drone, Trump said. It would if it it would have been a big big difference. Meaning, if obviously a U.S. life had been lost in the strike, then it would have been a, a giant difference. Um, no one can really argue with that there. Um, and I didn't have it here, but one tweet I did want to show here. Here we go. This is, um, Rand Paul right here talking about war with Iran. Now this happened actually before, um, the, the strikes, uh, were about to take place. And this is Rand Paul kind of going on Fox news saying that war with Iran would be a huge mistake least. I think it's a mistake to keep ramping things up. Uh, one of the things I like about President Trump is that he said the Iraq war was a mistake. I think an Iran war would be even a bigger mistake than the Iraq war. We lost over 4,000 soldiers over there. I, I don't think we need to uh, get involved in another war. Uh, Iran is really not someone that we depend on for oil. The Middle East, in fact, we don't depend on for oil anymore. And so, uh, no, I think it'd be a mistake to get involved in another shooting war. You know, uh, Senator, your colleague Tom Carton, uh, the Republican of Arkansas, a very close ally with the administration on this, had urged the president to just attack. He didn't need permission from Congress. He went on to say that unprovoked attacks on commercial shipping warrant a retaliatory military strike. The president has the authorization, he says, to act to defend American interests. What do you think of that? Well, it's, that would be inconsistent with the Constitution. The Constitution is very clear that we don't go to war unless it's voted on by Congress. A declaration of war is required to be voted on by Congress. Now, if a ship is shooting at you, you can return fire, you can defend yourselves, but to go and retaliate and say, oh, we're going to blow up one of their naval ships or we're going to drop a bomb on Tehran or to say this somehow has to do with the 9-11 proclamation, no, those are completely wrongheaded and unconstitutional ideas. 
But I think what's interesting about this is that of all the people involved with the administration, I think really the president actually has the best handle on this and is less likely to act in an irrational way to immediately blow something up. I think he actually has pretty good sensibilities that most of the wars that we've fought in the Middle East really haven't been for our national interest. And that's exactly right. And and how scary is it where <laughs> how scary is it where um Donald Trump is the one who is looked at as the rational thought leader on foreign policy? How how bad and hawkish is our government where Donald Trump is the sensible one on foreign policy? My god. Like I said, this is just a mess. I'm glad that Rand Paul is there to um, kind of keep him in check and keep him grounded a little bit. Um, what I am going to do, let me check and make sure I'm still good on Facebook. It looks like we are still good. All right, fantastic. Um, if you haven't already, check us out on Facebook. Follow the page. Uh, we are on Instagram now. I got an Instagram page. I got a buddy of mine that's helping me run that. We got some uh, pretty great memes going up there. So be sure to check that out. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's, let's go ahead and listen to what, uh, Tucker Carlson had to say on this. Um, let's see here. Uh, I don't know why my screen isn't changing on this. Anyway, whatever. Let me just do this, and then you can listen to it. Since 9-11, the U.S. has spent trillions of dollars and thousands of American lives trying to remake the Middle East in our image. It's sad to say it out loud, but we have to. It hasn't worked. Many of us thought it would, but it hasn't. By every measure, our foreign wars have ended in dismal failure for the United States, however noble their intentions. And some did have noble intentions. Donald Trump was one of the rare Republican politicians honest enough to admit this. He said it out loud three years ago and promised not to repeat the same mistakes if elected president. And partly because he said that, he was elected president. Now something fascinating is happening. The very people, in some cases literally the same people, who lured us into the Iraq quagmire 16 years ago are demanding a new war, this one with Iran. The president, to his great credit, appears to be skeptical of this, very skeptical. Iran recently downed an unmanned American drone. The president, speaking today, seemed to suggest this shouldn't necessarily trigger a conflict with Iran. Watch. Iran made a big mistake. Uh, this drone was in international waters. Clearly, we have it all documented. I would imagine it was a general or somebody that made a mistake in shooting that drone down. And fortunately, that drone was unarmed. It was not, there was no man in it. There was no, it was just, it was over international waters, clearly over international waters, but we didn't have a man or woman. <laughs> it was definitely drone. armed, though. <laughs> would have made a big difference, let me tell you. Would have made a big, big difference. I find it hard to believe it was intentional, if you want to know the truth. I think that it could have been somebody who was uh, loose and stupid that did it. So that's not nearly bellicose enough for the permanent foreign policy establishment in Washington, many of whom crave a war with Iran and see every provocation as an opportunity to start one. Senator Lindsey Graham, for example, says Americans ought to be ready to fight and die for shipping lanes on the other side of the world. Watch. 
Yeah, listen so here's to this what guy. Watch for. If the Iranians uh, follow through on their threat to start enriching again at higher levels, to basically uh, take their enrichment program to a uh, kind of a nuclear level in terms of a weapons grade. This this guy is getting soft with. Um Republicans are getting soft with this guy. This guy used to be nobody until the Kavanaugh hearing. He had a pretty good stance um, on the Kavanaugh hearing. I applaud him for that. Literally everything else this dude has done is garbage. This dude's a war hawk for sure. And Republicans seem to be soft on him ever since the Kavanaugh thing. And I don't know, especially Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro tells him that he's like, um, uh, he calls him Lindsey Graham 2.0. Like he's, he's the great upgrade on the original Lindsey Graham. This dude's the same Lindsey Graham, all right? This dude's the same milquetoast warhawk that you had 15 years ago. Same dude. Like, and, and listen to him. Like, he, he's reverting back to his old ways. He's never changed. Production. Israel's in a world of hurt. So the best thing the president can do is stop that. And how do you stop that to make Iran understand you're not going to let that happen? Uh, I think he should put their oil refineries on our target list, that he should look at sinking the Iranian Navy if they attack shipping again. Sinking the Iranian Navy and bombing their oil refineries. We are this close to war because of these sanctions that we put on them. Like, we've pretty much barred everyone from buying their oil. Do you think if we hit their oil refineries and sink their nate, like, dude, you're asking for, oh my gosh, we get into conflict, Lindsey Graham should be on the front line of that war. Uh-huh. So in Washington, there are no real consequences for being wrong, and as a result, policymakers are. They make the same mistakes again and again, and it's certainly not just Lindsey Graham. At the New York Times, left-wing warmonger Brett Stevens is also calling on America to sink the Iranian Navy. Many on the left are for it. John Bolton cheers him on from within the White House. Bill Kristol nods with approval from outside the White House. None of these people will admit their actual intentions. They'll tell you, they don't really want a war with Iran. That's a crock. They want a war badly, badly mm-hmm. enough to lie about it. That's why they're putting American troops into situations where conflict is inevitable in order to start a war. Everyone in Washington knows exactly what's happening. They've seen it many times before. Yeah. So there you have it. I mean, Tucker Carlson nails it right there. Um, And you know who doesn't nail it? Unfortunately, this guy right here, Ben Shapiro. Um, I used to listen to Ben Shapiro a lot. Man, ever since his take um, on Julian Assange, and I did the, you can go back and listen to my Julian Assange um, episode. I I don't want to toot my own horn, but I I think I did a pretty decent job explaining what WikiLeaks is. If you don't know anything about WikiLeaks and Julian Assange, go back and listen to my episode. Um, if you don't like it, you don't like it. But all I did was just kind of outline who Julian Assange is. He's a, he's a reporter, and all he does is publish information. And the reason the establishment is after it is because he exposed the establishment. Um, anyway, but... Ben Shapiro had a pretty awful take on, on Julian Assange. I kind of like stopped listening to him for a couple months, but I've listened to his last couple episodes just to kind of see what he was saying on this Iran stuff. And all right, here we go. And then the president addressed via Twitter what exactly happened last night. He says on Monday, they, meaning the Iranians, shot down an unmanned drone flying in international waters. We were cocked and loaded to retaliate last night on three different sites when I asked, how many will die? 150 people, sir, was the answer from a general. 10 minutes before the strike, I stopped it, not proportionate to shooting down an unmanned drone. 
He said, yes. I'm in no hurry. Our military is rebuilt, new and ready to go. By far the best in the world. Sanctions are biting and more added last night. Iran can never have nuclear weapons, not against the United States and not against the world. OK, so it is that sort of middle tweet there with which I have some issues. And the one where he actually spells out his strategy. So there, there are two problems go. with this. One, he suggests that they were basically ready to go. The planes were in the air. They were on their way. And that's when he asked how many people will die. Now, the president of the United States should probably be asking that question before <laughs> we load up the jets and get it. Yes, I totally agree. The president of the United States, before he orders a strike, he should probably know what the casualty count is. That's obvious. Out there in the air, right? That should be kind of the first question you ask is what exactly is this strike going to look like? What are the consequences of this strike? Correct. But be that as it may, the president calls it back. Now, it's his rationale that I have a problem with. And when he says 150 people were going to die and that was not proportionate, I don't know where this idiotic notion came from. What? What do you mean? You don't know where this idiotic notion came from. They shot down an unmanned drone. Is that equivalent to 150 lives? You can make the decision yourself. I say no, but let's listen to what Ben Shapiro has to say. That if you attack the United States, we are supposed to be proportionate in our response. In fact, I think that's a terrible idea. The reason I think that's a terrible idea is because the United States actually tried something that was basically called proportionate response. It was actually called escalated, graduated escalation during the Vietnam War. It was a strat- you mean the war that was started with a false attack on a ship? Like what happened last week? That war? The war where we did not need to get into there, where our government wanted to get into there, but we did not need to be into there. And that was a awful war. Awful, awful war. I don't I don't get what he's trying to say here is like it's he's trying to I understand like in a way he's trying to get to the thought process behind well look they push you you push harder that way they don't push back okay I kind of get that but these are lives we're talking about here these these are people okay if you think a unmanned drone is worth 150 lives and starting a war. I don't know. I, I don't get it. This is all going to be very interesting to. Uh, whoops. There we go. This is all going to be very interesting to watch and, and, and to see it unfold. Um, I don't have too much uh, more to talk about here. I do have one more additional story. Uh, Justin Amash is back in the news. Um, but for anyone who doesn't like Justin Amash for his Trump stance. Look, that's like the one stance that this guy had that is unpopular. Okay. If you've been following this guy at all, this is a fantastic individual. Okay. And even his Trump stance where he's talking about the obstruction of justice charges against Trump. Legally, it makes sense. He has a good argument against that. And the the impeachment, the calls for impeachment against Trump. Look, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to argue against it when you see the evidence lied out. Now, the the issue I had with it was like, why? Why that? Right. Why the Mueller report? OK, why not bring up impeachment charges if you're going to bring them up at all? Why not bring them up 
when he vetoed a bipartisan bill to end the Yemen war. There are going to be close to the estimates, a million lives lost in the Yemen war. And it was a bipartisan bill that went all the way up to Trump that he vetoed that war. Literally children are puking and pooping their pants to death from cholera. It is the world's largest cholera outbreak in the world in history. And it's happening in Yemen and the war could be ended with a stroke of the pen by Trump. And he vetoed it. Now that is a greater example of a case to be brought up for impeachment. I don't necessarily agree that the Mueller report should be used as the case to bring up impeachment against Trump. You can draw the conclusions that you want to draw for me personally. That's just not it. Um, but the, the story that I'm going to talk about here, it, this comes from reason Justin Amash. He, he brings up and he, this guy is a, I mean, he's a libertarian through and through he's a libertarian conservative. Um, He's got positive rating scores from all these conservative uh, voting record sites that kind of track the voting records of congressmen and Senate leaders. He's got over 85% on all of them. This guy is hands down a great, 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 great guy. House votes down Amash's attempt to stop warrantless FISA surveillance. So. Article starts here. Yesterday evening, an amendment to restrain domestic surveillance under Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA, crashed and burned in the House by failing a vote 175 to 252 proposed by Representative Justin Amash and Zoe Lofgren. The, amendment num- the amendment's numerous no votes were split almost evenly among Democrats and Republicans. The amendment was attached to a spending appropriations bill, H.R. 7 or 2740, and would have forbid the use of any funds to submit a surveillance request under Section 702's guidelines, unless requesting organization, the NSA, certifies that the surveillance is not to acquire the communications of a particular known person, reasonably believed to be in the United States. Any acquisition of communication as to which no participant is a person who is targeted by pursuant to the authorized acquisition or any acquisition of a communication known to be entirely domestic. That was a a, a mouthful. This is the translation. The purpose of Section 702 of the FISA is intended to authorize warrantless secret surveillance of foreign targets of interest in other countries who may be plotting against the United States. However, in practice, we know that the NSA has been collecting significant amounts of domestic communications of American citizens without warrants in violation of the Fourth Amendment. Now, this is the surveillance that Edward Snowden helped expose. Okay, this is this is what Justin Amash is going against. This is this is exactly what Edward Snowden is running from the U.S. government from. He exposed this program where where the NSA and the FISA court are tapping American citizens without warrants collecting data. And this is what he's fighting against. And the vote lost. The, the people are not voting for it. The Democrats or the Republicans, neither side wants it. They are for a surveillance state. And we've been arguing over it ever since. 
despite repeatedly and loudly, loudly complaining that he and his aides had been illegally surveyed under the FISA as a candidate, President Donald Trump has done nothing to actually restrain these surveillance powers. See, this is the thing. Donald Trump was even, and it's been confirmed, that the Obama administration, using the FISA court and, and the NSA with, these, with this 702 section with the warrantless taps, they spied on Donald Trump's campaign. And Donald Trump opposes it. That's because it restricts the power of the presidency. And no one can have that, right? Uh, So last year, given the opportunity to rethink the limits of Section 702 when it was up for renewal, um, Congress and Trump instead expanded its authority to snoop on Americans. Surprise, surprise, government is growing, not shrinking. So this year... Amash and Lofgren embarked on a new effort to stop the NSA from secretly collecting Americans' communications. Amash spoke passionately in defense of his amendment on the House floor last evening. And instead of reading his uh, speech, I will play it for you. Here we go. Okay, Madam Speaker, uh, Madam Chair, excuse me. When I go back to my district, I hear from my constituents and they always ask, what's wrong with Washington? And we can see what's wrong with Washington right here. You have Republicans for months saying, we're worried about FISA abuse. The, the FISA's out of control. Here we are trying to limit FISA, and they're running against it. They're saying, no, we can't limit FISA. Democrats say, we want to hold the president in check. Executive power is out of control. We have an amendment to hold the president in check. This is our time to stand up for the American people. I'm sick of going home and telling them that neither side wanted to defend their rights. I want to thank Ms. Lofgren for, for joining me in this amendment, and I yield back. From Indiana. Well, there you have it. <laughs> he said, we have Republicans for months saying we were worried about the FISA abuse. FISA is out of control. And here we are trying to limit FISA, and they're running against it. And then you have the uh, the Democrats say, we want to hold the president in check. The uh, executive power is out of control. And we have an amendment to rein that in. And they're voting against it. Neither side is voting for the rights and the betterment of the American people. But it was just not to be. The amendment got all of 10 minutes. It got all of 10 minutes of debate. And then was defeated. Jim Jordan of Ohio and Amash have been at odds over Trump's behavior to the point that Amash had left the House Freedom Caucus. They both helped found. Nevertheless, Jordan showed up to declare his support for Amash's amendment, speaking in favor of it and voting for it. On the other side of the aisle, notable Democrats supporting Amash included Democratic uh, presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii and representative get this Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York supported this amendment as should everybody this is just common sense this has probably been really the best thing and I know actually AOC was on the uh, she, she was on the bipartisan support for ending the Yemen war so uh, AOC which does very few things good was on the right side of the Yemen war, ending the Yemen war, which Trump vetoed. And this, the ending the warrantless FISA uh, communication taps, 
this section uh, 702 of the NSA spying on American citizens. She's on the right side of that as well. So this is a rare uh, thing on the show. Props to AOC. Good for you. Um, but hey, that's uh, that's really all we got here. That's the end of the show. But um, listen, if you haven't already, please check us out on Facebook. Um, subscribe to us on uh, iTunes and Spotify. And we'll see you on the next episode of Freedom Strips. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.